This episode is sponsored by Shoutout, a two-way text messaging and campaign management platform that provides analytics and facilitates conversational messaging that delivers, engages, and converts more. Send personalized campaigns from unique phone numbers to the message content itself, letting you brand your campaign to promote yourself and create your messages in a way that users are made to think you sent it personally for them. You can then monitor and improve your campaigns over time with real-time analytics. Start reducing messaging and campaign costs with cost-effective bulk SMS. Scale efficiently without having to worry about high costs. If you'd like to start using mass texting services with simple packages to choose from, visit GetShoutOut.com today. Hello, hello, everyone. This is your host, Akil Jabbar, and welcome back to another episode of SaaS District. In today's episode, we'll be talking about how to leverage security to close faster enterprise deals for your SaaS company. Today, we have our guest, Girish Redekar, joining us. Girish is the, the CEO and co-founder of Sprinto.com, which is a company that helps SaaS companies become SOC2 compliant, close enterprise deals faster, and pass vendor security assessments easily, which we'll talk about today. He previously built and bootstrapped Recruiter Box to over 2,500 customers and over 50 employees, both in the US and India. The company was then acquired by a PE firm called Turn River Capital in an all-cash 100% deal. So welcome, Jirish. Super excited to have you on the SaaS District Show today. Thanks, Akil. Um, you know, excited to be here. Uh, so I'd love to start, you know, discussing briefly you know, what, what is the, you know, what, what exactly cybersecurity for some of the people listening in um, or the security in general when it comes to SaaS and why and at what point should maybe SaaS company think about implementing a, a program or think about it in, in, their, in their business? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm going to specifically talk about cybersecurity in the context of a SaaS or a cloud-hosted company. And uh, I'll try and keep it fairly simple. Now, uh, you know, SaaS, uh, let's imagine for a moment that you're a SaaS vendor and I'm a customer. And, and SaaS fundamentally means that my data is on your servers. And it's natural that I have some concerns about whether you're keeping that data safe and secure. So cybersecurity in the context of a SaaS company is quite simply a bunch of practices and processes that you are following to keep and uh, you know keep my data safe and secure. Now, when you're thinking about uh, you know uh, factors to consider about when the SaaS company should ideally be looking at implementing a cybersecurity program, uh, but before I jump into that, I think uh, it helps to spend a little bit of time to understand what's really going going on in the world outside of us. So if you look at, uh, if you dial back like about five to seven years ago, uh, cybersecurity concerns were largely asked by fairly large enterprises or, you know, uh, in cases where you're dealing with extremely sensitive data, like, uh, you, you know, health healthcare data or, or data related to credit card information, et cetera. But what's really happened in the last five years that these concerns have rapidly diffused out of these very specific pockets. And it's gotten to a point where, you know, you're going to get asked some sort of cyber cybersecurity related questions in one way or the other, if you're starting to do five-figure ACV deals or larger. So, so it's, it's gotten to that point. And then that, that ceiling is constantly dropping. Hmm. So uh, I, I guess my overall point here is that, uh, you know, founders, uh, uh, 
the, the way to think about cybersecurity, especially for uh, for younger startups, is from a revenue perspective uh, more than a security perspective. And, and what that means is that uh, you know uh, the point at which you need to start uh, thinking about it is a, is is a little bit before it starts becoming a bottleneck to your sales. Um, and, and those things can change depending on the geography or the industry or the uh, you know specific uh, the nature of your business. But but I'm increasingly seeing that uh, you know the, the time to do this is 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 dropping all the time. So unless you are like a uh, you know uh, just a completely fanatic SMB business who who who, mm-hmm. who never wants to do uh, you know a, a large deal, uh, you you you're going to get asked for these things uh, sooner than later. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. And I mean, I think that's kind of become like the minimum now, right? So if you're, even if you're starting off and your, uh, you know, target audience is enterprise, right? You have to think about that, right? From, from day one. Um, yes. And what are you seeing? So, I mean, in terms of trends, I'd love to hear, you know, what are some of the most common, you know, cyber attacks or security threats that you know, enterprise companies are thinking about, worried about, uh, and you've seen kind of infl- infiltrate and be a concern, uh, let's say in the last year or so. Yeah, that's a great question. So you, you know the the thing that I learned about cybersecurity, uh, being in this space and and like work with a few hundreds of companies uh, go through this program is is the the stuff that actually ends up mattering is the boring stuff. Uh, you know, you we, we think about cybersecurity and and we think about the bleeding edge places where you, you know uh, mm-hmm. uh, where, where this very uh, uh, unique attack that happened and, and so on and so forth. But but it's uh, if if you really look at the numbers, uh, the two most important places where uh, you know attacks really happen happen uh, are a uh, something related to people processes so it is it is dead simple stuff like uh, you know simple phishing attacks to your employees in your company uh, or uh, social engineering or, or simply somebody forgetting to remove access for an employee who has left the company uh, and simple stuff like that so so it's it's you know it, it, it's funny how much uh, uh, how much advantage you get by doing the simple things right um, especially related to people uh, uh, and processes around people, and, and the second one that's uh, that's interesting and that's uh, you know that's happening again in the last uh, couple of years is that um, it, it so happens that if you are a SaaS company today, it's likely that you're using a bunch of other SaaS products to run your company, uh, and it, it, that, that's just the natural way most SaaS companies are built today. Uh, you know, and uh, what eventually happens is that whatever data you are uh, sort of uh, getting from your customers, you end up sort of sending that data to the bunch of other SaaS tools that you use. You send send some of that to the cloud provider, you send some of it to your CRM, and so on and so forth. So the second largest uh, surface attack, uh, surface of attack for, for cybersecurity are the vendors that you're using. So you might be doing great, uh, keeping your ship tight and, and you're doing everything great, but you know, you, you're still uh, passing on this data to somebody else and, and the holes might be there. And, and there is very little that you can do to, to sort of control that directly or you have very little visibility into that. So these are the two most uh, common things that happen. And like I said earlier, these, these seem uh, boring uh, and, and obvious, uh, and, and you would imagine that these ought to get plucked. But honestly, this is where uh, you know most of the uh, attacks happen. Yeah, I mean, this is confidential information, the IP. This is you know things that run the business, and you know that are you know secret to what makes the company so you know so so yes. successful. Um, so thinking about from a practical perspective, what are maybe some you know first steps as a founder I should take or even think about to to prevent this within my SaaS and you know from getting hacked or you know keeping their information safe. Yeah, so that's that's a great question, and you know that that sort of follows from from the two most common things that we looked at. You know, the most uh, simple thing that we could do is is look at 
uh, your people processes about how you grant or uh, remove access for people, especially when they join you or, or when they change teams or when they leave you as a company. Uh, these are simple things that are that you can keep track of uh, and that they sort of give you the most bang for the buck. So this is the first place I would look at, uh, including things like explaining to your employees about uh, you know how phishing attacks happen and how to avoid them uh, and uh, or even social engineering. So, so there is this new trend where, especially in smaller SaaS companies, uh, employees often get get emails from their founders saying that, hey, I need this money and or, or something of that sort. And, and this, right. uh, this this started happening in uh, in Sprinto uh, a few a few days ago. So, so it's interesting how, how some of these attacks work. And just simple things that you could fix without, uh, you know, costing you anything, really speaking. So that's the first place I would look at. The second place I'd carefully look at is, again, uh, all the other SaaS vendors that you might be using. And you didn't, didn't do like an exhaustive list, but it's important to at least... Uh, Look closely at the SaaS vendors where you actually share a lot of internal data with, um, mm-hmm. and uh, or, or share a lot of your customer data with, and that's something that you should look with a little bit more critical eye and try and make sure that you know in some way or the other uh, they are following a cert, uh, certain set of uh, practices. That happens naturally if you're using larger vendors, uh, but especially when your team starts adopting uh, some tools which may not be as matured yet, uh, that's somewhere to look a little bit more closely at. That doesn't mean you need to avoid those things, but uh, you know it's it's good to have some checks and balances around those things. So I, I would say again, these are the two most uh, important areas to spend most time on. Um, and uh, you know the common things that people miss here is something of the sort that you took care of everything. Uh, you know, I, I'm a developer first, uh, so so I often worry a lot more about these things. Where, uh, but uh, you're an employee left your company and uh, you you took care of everything. You removed their G Suite account. You removed their AWS account. Hey, but there is some SSH key, some lying somewhere on the laptop, mm-hmm. using which they can actually access your service, and, and that's that, that, that that's an attack waiting to happen. So you know, those are the kind of things that, but uh, simple uh, but important things that you need to take care of. And what do you suggest there? So for that first one, you know, do you set up some kind of like offboarding, you know, process, or you know, I mean, there's things like you know, LastPass or. You know, simple things like that where you know everything's kind of messy. I would say, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. most things are solved by checklists. So if, mm-hmm. if you're beginning this today and, and you're doing this, uh, simply having a checklist somewhere with where, where somebody just goes through those steps is a good starting point. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then you know, you mentioned something, you know, like a security questionnaire. How, do, how does that work? And you know, uh, when should founders be worried about that? Is that what we talked so, about, or is that something different? Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Here's what basically what happens, right? Like, like yeah. uh, you know, let, let's go back to that analogy. Like, you, you are a uh, you're a SaaS vendor. I'm a customer, and I I need to know whether you know uh, you you're doing enough things to keep my data safe and secure. Now, uh, there are a bunch of ways of doing this, but one one of the most common things is like I'll, I'll send you like a security questionnaire, and this is uh, if you have anybody who has solved a, or answered a security questionnaire before, uh, you'll dread it. Uh, quite simply because it runs into hundreds of questions often, and mm-hmm. Uh, most of the times the questions don't make sense. There's a bunch of jargon there. They seem like they're repetitious or they don't seem relevant to what you're doing, et cetera. But, but basically, that uh, if, if this is basically your sales cycle, uh, answering a secondary questionnaire is sort of just elongating that by a, a weeks. Uh, you know, by the time you can actually get that back in a, in a reasonable manner. And, and you know, there's a usually back and forth around it as well. So uh, fundamentally, uh, uh, security questionnaires are a reality though. And the, the way I would... Uh, 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 recommend uh, a bunch of founders today to to, to to sort of deal with security questionnaires to find a way and circumvent as much as possible. And there are actually ways to do that. Uh, I think the, the most important way to look at this is to use uh, security as a sales tool 
rather than a defensive tactic. Uh, so mm-hmm. what commonly happens is, you know, you, you sort of gone into this enterprise sale, you have a champion, you do all the hard work, you navigate the bureaucracy, you got to a point where it's in procurement, and, and, and now you're just waiting, hey, this is going to get signed any day, and, and, and yeah, boom, you got like a security question, and, and this is just uh, mm-hmm. like elongating the time. So uh, I, I think uh, what uh, the mistake that I used to do, uh, at least in my previous company, is to uh, is to think about uh, security and compliance as a checkbox uh, that I sort of put forward when when the question comes to security, uh, and I can so that I can just allay the fears about security. What I've learned since is that the most modern, mature companies, what they really do is they lead with security. So this is a part of, uh, you know, this is somewhere on your website. It's in part of your sales tech. It's part of your early sales, uh, your customer conversations. So so what you're really trying to do is that, hey, rather than using this as a checkbox that you're eventually going to answer, you're actually constantly creating confidence about the fact that you do have a security program. It's it's better if it's a third-party audited program, and you're creating that confidence upfront which often leads to, uh, you know, completely circumventing the fact that you get asked for a security questionnaire later down the line. And that's the Mm. best way of dealing with this. Mm. So you're kind of leading with that. Um, So, I mean, rather than spending a lot of time on features and and functionality and demo and product, um, you know, integrations and whatnot, you're leading with this because you know it's coming. Uh, and, and, you know, yeah. that's going to delay things. That's going to, you know, as even when you think the deal is done, well, how long, how, you know, how much time do you think you're typically saving, you know, when you're looking at closing those deals, when you've seen that switch from leading with that versus, you know, waiting till the end. Um, that, that varies. Like you could save anywhere between, uh, you know, like, like a week to, to, to six to eight weeks. Like that, that's the amount of time you're saving this process, uh, just depending on the deal. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Um, so obviously, you know, everybody, you know, as an enterprise clients, you're looking for a secure service that we can trust, right? Um, so, you know, being aware that information security is the, not only prevents the attack, but accelerates, you know, the other side, which is the, you know, there's, there's two sides that prevent the attack, but most importantly, you know, people listening in want to improve sales, increase revenue. Um, and then any other ways of how you can align, you know, uh, security and compliance um, while still, you know, avoiding too many costs, right? Because if you do all this work, like you said, it's, this is time, this is energy, this is a lot of work upfront. How, how do you kind of think about that to, to align both? Uh, great question. So uh, I, I guess, uh, like I'll answer it in two parts, uh, uh, and I have a selfish motive in the second part, but, but I'll, sure. I'll try and, uh, you, you know, uh, answer the first question first. So, so I, I think the, the most important thing that I urge SaaS companies to do is to look at security as a sales tool. We touched upon that briefly. Uh, but like I was saying is that uh, modern mature SaaS companies uh, are increasingly looking at security, at least in part as rolling up to their revenue function rather than rolling up to the security function, uh, right? And, and they think of this as a customer-facing function. Um, so in fact, at Sprinto, we coined this word called WebSecOps, uh, which is uh, fundamentally to think of security as a revenue function. And then you know, there's a bunch of things that you're really doing in order to accelerate revenue. And this really helps uh, uh, internally uh, because uh, this changes the way the company looks at it. You know, uh, people often inside of the company think of security folks as the ones who are always, uh, you know, blocking you and stopping you and, and just elongating what you need to do and asking you for stuff that that's not really your job, but uh, rolling it up to revenue and making it uh, makes it amply clear to everyone in the company that, hey, this is this is important. This actually affects our top line and that this is extremely, extremely important, right? So, so I think uh, that internal messaging is important uh, to, to, to actually align security and uh, you know, in revenue in some manner. So that the way what you call the security team, for example, uh, is important in some way. Um, how to do this while uh, preventing costs. So uh, it, it so happens that security and compliance is traditionally an extremely expensive affair, not just in terms of the amount of money that you directly spend on this, but also in terms of the 
the amount of resources it's going to suck away from your company. And, and that's, uh, you know, th- th- that's something that, that actually costs you at the end of the day. Now, so what we do with, uh, I-, I would recommend using a tool like Sprint, which is why, uh, mm-hmm. you know, caveat there, uh, we, we, uh, we, we accelerate this entire journey and we actually save you like a tons of time uh, when you're going through this process. But uh, the, the, the broad idea there being that, uh, uh, you know, you could actually achieve these compliances and a security program with much less effort than it otherwise takes. So, so that's yeah. something to be mindful of, uh, to look at tools like that, which actually helps you get there. But I think the most important, uh, highest order bit is to start thinking of security as uh, something that rolls up to your revenue. And it's, its job is to make you look more formidable and create assurance with your customers rather than just something that you're doing to uh, you know add blockages in everything that you're doing. Yeah, no, that, that makes complete sense. Um, and then, you know, there's one keyword that you mentioned, which I'm not too familiar with, and maybe you can help, you know, explain a little bit more how that works, which is SOC2 Architecto. Uh, can you explain what exactly that architecture, how that works, and maybe what are the advantages of, of uh, you know, implementing this if I'm, if I'm a SaaS? Great. Uh, so so I, I'll start from the basics there. See, see fundamentally, uh, what, what really used to happen in the, uh, if you looked at this about a decade ago, is, is uh, again, I'll take the example, you're, you're a SaaS uh, uh, you're, you're vendor, I'm a customer, and uh, I need to know that you're keeping my data safe and secure. And in the olden days, the, the Fortune 500s would basically conduct an audit on you. So we actually have people or we we engage a third party who's going to actually examine your security practices and make sure whether you know you're running them to to my satisfaction or not now this is obviously not scalable it's inefficient uh, you know you are having to go through an audit with every customer that you work with and, and i'm right. going to do this audit for every vendor that i work with uh, not doesn't scale doesn't work so what really uh, frameworks such as soc2 or uh, iso 27001 and a bunch of other other forms of that really do is is not very different than what a uh, you know, uh, like an SAT would do. Uh, you, you know, you, what you're really doing is, is instead of me getting examined by this bunch of other things, why don't I get examined by this one certified body? Uh, and uh, they, they give me something that I can use across these various places that I am I'm using. So that's quite simply the concept. So, so SOC2 uh, is, is governed by a body called AICPA. And uh, so there are certified auditors who can actually audit you so that you, instead of you having to go through an audit with each and every customer that you're going through, you go through this one audit. And I, as a customer, recognize this, this recognize this, and I can actually go through your SOC2 report and, and understand that you know, these are the things that you're doing. So that's quite simply what SOC2 does. And uh, now, now there are a bunch of nuances over there about, you know, SOC2 has about five criteria uh, related to security, availability, confidentiality, processing integrity, privacy, et cetera. And, and most companies only do security and so on and so forth. But but that's uh, that detail apart. This is the, the main important concept, right? It, it's a way for you to scale uh, how you demonstrate security to an independent third party, uh, to, to an in- independent body. And so that I can still trust this. What this really gives me an advantage over is, remember we were talking about security questionnaires. So, so when mm-hmm. I send you a security questionnaire and in spite of filling out all those hundreds of questions and you send it back to me, the fact is I have no way of verifying uh, whether what you've said is right or not. Uh, so I just have to trust your word on it. Uh, so, so inherently there's lesser value in that information than a third party audit where an independent uh, certifiable trained auditor is actually examining you. And I can trust that report a lot more than what you answer to me in a security question. So, so the quality of information is much higher over here. Makes sense. So you, you're kind of essentially, you know, standardizing the test so that, you know, this is the, this is the kind of, like yes. you set the bar here that look, if you pass this, then, you know, everybody should kind of understand that this is the, 
this is you know worth worth uh, the piece of paper, right? And uh, worth looking into. And I guess that's something you include from the beginning, right? Same thing like you said, being kind of proactive in your security, you know, uh, you know, presentation or your demo when you're trying to close the deals. Like, hey, look, we are SOC two compliant, and uh, you know, we have the documentation, and that kind of gives that confidence as well, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. Awesome. This is this is great, Jurish. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit and move towards a little bit on the personal side. Uh, understand a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, your background. So uh, I know you mentioned, you know, prior to starting Sprinto, uh, you ran another company called Recruiter Box, which was acquired uh, mm-hmm. by a PE firm for all cash. So uh, I, I love the background you have here. You know, there must have come some of that, a little bit of that exit cash money. Um, tell, tell us how, how was that kind of life-changing event? You know, just tell us, and then, you know, how did you decide to say, okay, you know, I've, I've made, I've had an exit, um, you know, have, have, you know, had some you know, level of success in my entrepreneur journey. What made you decide to then shift to start, you know, Sprinto and build to what led to discovery of launching a SaaS again? Um, so honestly, uh, uh, you know, the recruiter box was running really well. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it was, it, it uh, to put it very bluntly, it was a bit of a cash cow. Uh, mm-hmm. it, was, it was going quite comfortably. And I, I guess the, the important thing that uh, us founders decided at a point was, uh, you know, we had uh, another startup in us. And we were a little bit more ambitious than uh, the, the nature of the business of Recruiter Box was allowing us to be. So, so the mm. point there was to, uh, you know, uh, to uh, to look at this as an opportunity cost of the time that you're spending mm. here. And, mm. and so we made uh, a seemingly a risky decision of sort of uh, giving out a cash cow and then, you know, trying your hand. So, so the idea was that we always knew that we have, we're going to do another startup. So that's my point. It wasn't like, hey, uh, you know, this happened and then now I'm, and I'm, I'm on a vacation and, it so incidentally happened that we started another startup. So the idea was always while, uh, you know, exiting Recruiter Box was that, uh, you know, we, we'll give ourselves maybe a little bit of a break, but, uh, you know, back, uh, we'll be back on the saddle after that. <laughs> so, so that, 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 that was break doesn't usually long, last that long, right? Um, and were you guys proactive in, in reaching out and saying, hey guys, like this is for sale. Let's see if somebody's interested or is, is it just come come your way and somebody said, hey, like, are you interested? And, you know, you kind of entertain the conversation said, okay, this is kind of good timing to consider it. Um, honestly, it was uh, somewhere in between. It, it was neither, mm. I would say, in the sense mm. that uh, you know, once you grow to a certain size as a uh, as a SaaS business, you always tend to have a bunch of inbound interest uh, of right. that sort. It, it's just that we were keeping them at the bay, uh, and mm. we weren't really uh, you know engaging as much. Uh, and once we sort of made that uh, mental decision, it's just that mm. we started talking to these folks a little bit more, mm. and, and then uh, you know, some of them, uh, one of them, sort of just actually fructified. And, and how was that experience for you and your founders? Did you end up, you know, taking that cash and reinvesting it to Sprinto, or or what was how, how did that go? Uh, no, so Sprinto is a you know venture funded company uh, from the mm-hmm. get go. Uh, so okay. yeah, we we didn't reinvest the cash. Okay, and and how did you decide on on Sprinto like this? You know, security, uh, you know, SaaS. How did you guys realize? I know you know wanted to build something else. Um, how did you narrow down and figure out the idea here? That's a great question. So, uh, funnily, uh, you know, the seeds of Sprinto were uh, somehow in Recruiter Box, and and it's funny how these mm-hmm. things sort of, uh, you, you know, you can join the dots going backwards. But uh, mm-hmm. the the thing is that uh, it was during running Recruiter Box that uh, we we had to become SOC to compliant. Uh, we had a few customers who were asking for these things, and and you know, mm-hmm. uh, thanks to that, we got a front row seat to what these things really mean, what the mm-hmm. gotchas are, where they become painful. So we hired like a consultant, uh, you know, spent, I think about four to six months on this process. It cannibalized a bunch of engineering projects in the company. And at the end of the whole thing, we weren't uh, getting anywhere. So, uh, you know, like, I, I would say I had a, I, we didn't have a very pleasant experience with it. Um, mm-hmm. And at the time, it felt like a huge waste of time and money. Uh, but, uh, you know, 
that that's experience was one of the things that we could carry on when we were thinking about uh, you know ideas about what to build next and and uh, uh, to be honest we looked at about half a dozen ideas and this sort of uh, you know jumped out because we felt a personal pain about it and and you know yeah. uh, we did some research and it, it turned out that you know we are not alone in the journey so uh, uh, that, that was that was one of the starting points yeah that's that's generally what i you know i always recommend you know people come to me and ask you know what is uh what are some ideas? What do you recommend? Is like, you know, look at your own personal pain points. And, you know, your your situation, it was like, this was during our experience. In this case, you were running the company. But, you know, if you're working at a company, there's a, there's a ton of pain points that people are seeing and, um, you know, you'll realize within. So, you, you know, that's a, that's a great point to, to jump off of. Yeah. 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 All right, Jirish, we're uh, shifting gears. We're going to go towards the the rapid fire questions. So these will be, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, online questions, but, you know, you can take your time, you know, one to two minutes uh, to respond. So you ready to do it? Yeah, let's go. All right. Uh, Jirish, what's one activity you enjoy outside of work that gets you into flow state? Um, I'm, I'm a relatively boring person. Uh, listening to music is one activity. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a I'm a Credence Clearwater Revival fan. So I listen okay. to a lot of that. Nice. And that gets you gets your mind going and gets you in the calm flow state. Yeah. yeah. Love yeah. it. Um, what's one piece of advice you wish you had known and would tell your 25 year old self. I can't tell, I can't guess your age. You look pretty young. So, um, you know, somewhere between I'm, 20 and 25. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm 41, by the way. Oh, wow. You look, <laughs> you look younger than me. Okay. That's, that's, so well, it's been a while. Well. So I'm actually, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm thinking, uh, 25. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess, uh, what I'll tell myself is, uh, 25 uh, or 20s in general was a pretty, uh, you know, intense time in general. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I guess the thing that I'd like to tell myself is whatever it is, and especially the more intense it is, it'll pass. Mm. Yeah, that's that's tough. It's easy to say, right? But it's t- tough yeah. to actually do and process and implement. Yeah. It'll pass. Yes, just give it time. Love it. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges or pain points that you're currently facing in order to continue to grow Sprinto? Meaning what's keeping you up at night these days? Oh, wow. Uh, that's unequivocally hiring. Uh, we are growing fast. I cannot hire fast enough. You know, <laughs> that's one thing I worry about and I think about all the time. So, so yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's a good problem. So if, what are you guys uh, looking to hire for? So people listening in, maybe looking to, to join a company, what kind of roles are you looking for? Oh, so we are hiring across the board. So, you know, we're hiring at sales and marketing, uh, engineering, uh, product, and, uh, you know, customer support all across the board. So, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you've done some SaaS before, uh, uh, do write into me. I'm Kirish at Sprinter.com. I would love to talk to you. Okay. Awesome. Should they check out their website for all that? Uh, Sprinter.com and careers? Is that, is that yeah, yeah, you sure. There, there is a career yeah. space there as well. So please help yourself. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. We'll add those, uh, that link to the show notes if you guys want to, want to reach out to Jirish. Um, sure. who or what are the best three, uh, resources? This can be books, mm-hmm. it can be people, mentors, or people you follow in the space mm-hmm. who've been the most instrumental to your success over, over the last few years. All right. That's a, that's a tough one to pick three. Um, one of the books that I really, uh, liked and, and it was, uh, it was really useful for me, especially between the two startups, uh, you mm-hmm. know, when I was trying to decide uh, what to do next and validate, uh, you know, what, what really makes sense, uh, uh is this book called the mom test. Uh, have you, mm-hmm. have you, have you come across it? No, tell me. So it's, it's, it's a really small book. Uh, I, I think it just runs to barely hundred pages or so, but, but it's an interesting book, especially it's, I think it's written by an engineer. So I, I could relate to it a little bit more and mm. it, it's, it's, fundamentally about uh, how do you validate uh, 
any customer hypothesis that you might have. So, so you know, it's it's fairly easy as engineers to get really excited about an idea. And, and the first thing you want to do is, hey, go, let's go build this. And, and, and you know, uh, before actually truly validating whether the market needs this or, or what exactly is the pain point and whether it's going to be useful or not. And uh, I, I think uh, for this book, uh, the reason it's called the mom test is that a lot of uh, people, when you are doing these interviews, and if you don't do them carefully, they try to be encouraging, right? So, so they are they, they're kind of like your mom when you're uh, you know you're trying to explain an idea to her, and then she is going to be as encouraging as possible, which doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get an accurate or a honest uh, in the blunt truth about whether this this actually does make sense or not. Uh, and the, the book is primarily about how to conduct these interviews, you uh, know, in a manner that you actually learn uh, the, the real deal. And that you can actually go about this in a in a lot more deliberate manner, rather than you you know you thinking that uh, you're already in a zone where you think it's a great idea. Now, now you're just trying to reinforce the fact that yes, it is a great idea, and you you know you just try to uh, see whether uh, other people think so as well. So so I think it was a very uh, interesting book. I would recommend it to people, especially who are uh, you know looking to. Uh, Think about what they want to work on next uh, mm. uh, as as founders. So, so that that's one of the books that I think is uh, really useful. Uh, there's another book uh, that I read uh, uh, called Atomic Habits. Uh, I think that's quite a popular one. And James uh, Clear, I, I yeah. think that's a, yeah that 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 book. Uh, I, I feel uh, you know just, just the fact that. Uh, Little small uh, things that you do repeatedly uh, make a much bigger impact to your life than than the large things that you, you that we often fuss about, uh, etc. Uh, I think that changed my perspective about uh, you know how, how to go about certain things. I, I really recommend that book, and I, I really loved reading. Um, and the third one, I guess, is a uh, is a book by Frank Slootman. Uh, it's just recently come out. Uh, he he wrote an essay about this. Uh, so Frank Slootman is the uh, CEO of Snowflake. I think most recently and, and he's taken a bunch of companies public and, and grown them rapidly uh, and this book is called amp it up uh, and, and he uh, basically uh, i'm not sure if i'm paraphrasing it correctly but but fundamentally what he tries to say in this book is that uh, often organizations have a bunch of inefficiencies in them and and the, the simplest way to actually uh, you, you know, sort of uh, make your organization more performant uh, uh, and you sort of, you know, do well is to, uh, rather than, again, worrying about these uh, uh, these bleeding edge things is to do the boring stuff right. Like there, mm-hmm. there is, uh, you, you just make sure that you run your organization in a manner that, that you're actually going after performance, really speaking, and there's specific ways that he talks about doing that. But I think that's that, that's very critical, you, you know, uh, uh, I, I, I guess uh, most of my education and in, in, in my my twenties and my thirties, I've, I've thought of you know the one big idea thing, like you know, mm-hmm. hey, this 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 thing is going to change everything and that sort of a thing. And what I guess I've, I've learned over the process is that uh, the things that may really make a difference is a large number of small things, uh, you know. And, and uh, I, I guess that's a common thread in across the three books that I, I now that I look back. Uh, I was just going to mention them. Like if you if you think about the two things you both mentioned that. Uh, that, that that really sticks is that it's those small things that matter, right? It's not the big yeah. things. And that's what generally, we go for the big swing, uh, but generally to hit the big swing, it's a lot of those little swings that and you hit and you miss, right? And I've seen the yeah. same thing, you know, when it comes to growth, you know, growth experiments with with product, with anything, right? You think you you set up for, for 10 or 20 of them, uh, you know, mm-hmm. eight or nine will fail, but that, you know, you have to keep doing those 10 to get those one or two or three that work and just continues to do that. But it's not just, you know, hey, I'm going to do this one thing, and it's gonna it's it's gonna be it, right? It's like okay, let's keep doing this, keep doing it small every day, and eventually you're like, wait, look at me, I'm actually uh, 
I'm actually looking good. And you know, it's the same thing. The other day I was at the gym and they're like, oh, wow, I actually have muscles. I'm like, what happened? It's like, oh, this didn't happen. <laughs> overnight. This is like years of just like being like boring, going to the gym every day and just lifting. And it's like, oh, look, I actually have muscles now. I'm like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't come in a week, right? It takes years. So yeah, it's like yeah. kind of the same thing in everything in life, or, you know, same your bank accounts, whatever you can call it, right? Slow compound yeah. interest. Yeah. Cool. Uh, those are those are all great, uh, you know. Books um, haven't haven't read two of them, so we'll add those in the show notes if people want to want to check them out as well. Um, mm-hmm. Dries, so you had you know great exit um, with your first company. You know now doing well with your company, obviously growing really fast as you mentioned. Um, what does success mean to you today? How do you define it for yourself? Whether personally, business, financial, life? You know, so there's no right answer. Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, I guess what you're asking is, you know, how, how do I think about success? Yeah. Uh, so, so honestly, uh, I, I try not to think about it too much. Uh, mm. You know, uh, 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 yeah, I, I guess the simplest way I would talk about it is that I, I think of it as a game, uh, no pressure. Uh, uh, you know, if, if it uh, really starts becoming uh, extremely stressful, then it's mm. probably not worth it. Mm. So you gauge your own kind of stress and emotional kind of uh, feeling around the, the moment. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I do that uh, very consciously, but yeah, I I, I I I try not to take too much stress about it. Yeah, I guess the, you know, there's good stress and there's bad stress, right? Like you're working, you're stressing, that's yes. good. But when but when it's a uh, an anxiety stress, when it's that gut, your spider senses, right? You call them the spider senses, or your gut yeah, yeah. telling you something. Yeah. You probably should, you should probably listen, right? Yeah. So so yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, absolutely. So so just so that I uh, you know uh, you made a great point that stress, uh, you know, like anything that you want to do that, that's even remotely challenging is going to uh, you know uh, insulate a certain amount of stress, and, and the, the fact is overcoming that is actually what gives you the uh, you, the kick out of the whole thing. So. So zero stress is, is obviously not what I mean, but but there's a kind of spidey sense about the kind of bad stress where you know this isn't actually uh, you know uh, helping you or it, it, you, you don't wake up uh, wanting to do this anymore. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the one I I, I would not uh, you know uh, recommend and, and not not worry about too much. Yeah, yeah, not aligned with what you we truly want to do. Yeah, makes sense. Awesome, uh, Jirish, this has been a, this has been a great episode. Lots of good insights for people listening in. Um, where can founders or anybody listening in get in touch with you, learn more about you? Uh, and Sprinto as well. Um, so at Sprinto, we just have Sprinto.com. Please feel free to check it out. Uh, I'm uh, I'm always on email at girish at Sprinto.com. Please feel free to reach me uh, for any questions, especially around cybersecurity or compliance. Happy to answer them. Uh, you know, I've been in this field for a while, uh, helped a few hundred companies in the process. Uh, so so uh, you know, happy to share those experiences and share my notes. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, thank you so much, uh, Jaris, for joining us. This has been great. Really appreciate it. Uh, same here, Akil. Thanks for having me. All right. Cheers. Thank you all for watching this episode and joining SAS District today. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell for future episodes where we interview top leaders in the SaaS industry. If you're a SaaS company looking to grow and unlock the true value of your business, get in touch with us at Horizon Capital and myself or one of our consultants will provide a free assessment to help you get there and hit your goals. If you have any feedback or suggestions for this podcast, please comment down below and help us improve our content for you all. Thanks again and see you on the next one.